Hey guys, good morning again. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Wayne, I'm the pastor here at DCC. And you've, like I said earlier, you've picked a great way day to be with us. We just finished a great uh, New Year series called Guardrails. And, um, and so today we do this um, every so often. Before we jump into the next series and everything that we're engaging, I'm just going to take a moment to talk a little bit about um, our goal and our vision for the year and really take a moment to even reflect a little bit um, about you know, where we've been in our journey and, and God's story in us. And so, uh, so if, you've, if you've been with us for a while or you've just here for a little bit or even if this is your first time here, this is a great day for you to be with us. And if this is your first time, um, this is a phenomenal opportunity to see a little bit about uh, a tiny bit of our story, what our passions are and, and, and where we're going. And, and I think it's, you want to be part of a church that has a story, that has a plan and is, is heading somewhere. And so that's my hope for you today. I think it's really important that we, we have times like this. And, and so I thought it'd be kind of fun to tell a little bit of our story through just where our meeting places have been. Uh, where we're standing now, we, we started meeting here regularly last fall. We actually were recording here at the beginning of 2021 when we were online only in, in this theater and in, our, in the dance studios upstairs where our kids' spaces are. And that really be began our relationship with Nimbus. And then we were here in person on Easter of last year for the first time. And that just kind of launched this relationship that uh, allowed us to be where we are now. But this building, it didn't exist three years ago, right? So this is a brand new building. And, and so we started uh, almost seven years ago. We were like six or so years. So on Easter of this year, we'll be seven years of DCC, which is crazy. And, uh, and so where did we start? Where did, where, where did all this begin? So we first started meeting at St. Anthony's High School, which is over on 8th Street. The building is still there. They, they closed down in 2017, I believe. And so there's their entrance to St. Anthony's. And, and I have to be really careful because we start seeing all these people that were with us then. And, and our team, we were walking this morning. We we're like, oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. So anyway, uh, and then... Uh, they had this really ugly maroon color in their auditorium. We met in their auditorium, and they had, we used a couple classrooms for the kids' spaces. And so you can just kind of go through these slides. It's good. And, uh, and so um, we have the, the band here on stage, and, and we tried to do what we could with the maroon color. And so I think this next picture shows some string things we put up to catch some light. <laughs> and so that was St. That was Anthony's. We were there uh, until mid-2017. And... Uh, St. Anthony's didn't have air conditioning, so that was a problem. Um, we had all these crazy solutions. We had these huge industrial machines with fans on them, and we cranked the volume to get above that noise. And, and it was an amazing time of life and getting started in the first couple of years of our church. And then, but we needed to move. They didn't have AC, and that was rough. I lost weight setting those things up the night before, and like, uh, it was pretty interesting. Um, but and, and so we, we, and then, and the school was closing down, unfortunately. And so uh, th those are important factors. So we found this interesting scenario right at the Grove Path at Grove in Newark, a place called the Underground. And right across the street was a preschool. So our, our preschool, like our kids' experience went way up. They had a kids, an actual kid's space. And, and we had AC, so we were excited. But this place was really tiny. It's, it's quite interesting. Um, there were columns everywhere because it was a basement. Um, it smelled interesting, and so we had massive scent machines pumping out, whether you guys knew that or not. <laughs> and, and so we, we, it created an interesting environment. But when we had so much life here, we loved our time at this spot. We had so many people find Christ and were baptized. And, 
And so it was a unique place. And so we were there for a couple of years until uh, like the fall of 2019. And but we were we were honestly uh, ready for. Uh, something cleaner. <laughs> and so God opened the door for us to go to 150 Bay Street at the Headroom Social Club that was there at the time. And uh, and so this is, it kind of looks the same, it's just smelled better. Um, and uh, it wasn't a basement. And our kids' classes could be back together in, in an environment there. And then we were there for five months. Uh, and then uh, COVID happened. And, and <laughs> And so I was like, oh, man. And so, of course, everything changed after that. And, and so we, we've, we got back into that space in the fall of 2020, but hardly anybody came in person. Everything is still kind of weird. And so we decided to be online only at the beginning of 2021. And then Easter was our first service, and we did it here. We had three services, and it was really fun to get back to things. And we've slowly made our way back here full time. And here we are. We're engaging this. And so that's a little bit of our journey. But what's interesting, here's the thing. We really identify for some reason with, when our journeys is, is with where we meet. So I've just been talking about our Sunday locations. Uh, having a place to gather is important. Like it's, 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 it's a great thing for us to have, to be the body of Christ together. It's one of our things that we love to do. Um, but a, Southern ga- a Sunday gathering place isn't the only, is only a part of who we are. You know, it's interesting, when we look at these pictures, we don't really focus on the location many times. We're looking at the people. You're looking at who's there, and that's what draws us in. You don't look at the columns. I look at the columns as I think about different things, but you're looking at the faces of the people. And so this entire time, there's a thread that is continuous in all of this, and it's not the places, it's the people. It's the people. And more than that, it's really the grace of God. It's his story that has been at work. We have seen him working. And so it didn't matter the place, the location. God was at work. And it's the people that, like, there's been hundreds of people that have come before us in this time that we've been here and that have invested in time and serving and in giving that it's allowed us to have the foundation to be here today. And so this is, this is true of God's story in us. He has, from the beginning, has been constantly helping us see that he has been working in us. But we kind of think of church more like a building, and it's, and it's ironically enough through a weird translation of a word. And I want to bring you to this moment, this, uh, just quickly here, this amazing moment in Matthew. Matthew uh, shows us this. And he's telling us one day where Jesus and, and his closest disciples, that he was really training, he was leading and teaching. And they were on this journey of following him. They were with him, and they, they were on this understanding of who he really was. And so they're standing over this, this, this big city, and they're overlooking this. And it's a city that was renamed after Caesar Augustus upon when he died in AD 14. And so this is 150 miles north of Jerusalem. And so they would have been standing and looking at what would have been a, this beautiful, thriving city, and named after someone everybody knew. So, and, and he was, Caesar Augustus was the adopted son of Julius Caesar. I don't know if you've heard of him. Uh, but he was considered to be the divine Julius Caesar. So that meant Augustus was the adopted son of a god in their eyes. Both of them dead. Uh, 
And so Jesus, they're standing there looking at this, and so this, is, this brings context to what they were seeing and what he asked. Well, then he says, this is found in Matthew 16, he says, Jesus asked, who do you say that I am? Who do you think that I am? Caesar Augustus is considered the son of a god, but what about me? What about me? And Peter replies, he cries out, what you see here, he says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And it was this, this first moment where we see one of them just saying, you are the, like this is you, you are the Messiah. You are the one that has been promised to come, to come and to redeem us and to rescue us. This is a significant statement. So Jesus says, you know, you didn't come up with this on your own. God has shown this to you. And Jesus begins to refer to Peter and his name, and it has a reference to the rock. And, he, and Jesus just says, uses that reference of a rock. It's a little hard to understand the translation, the dialogue. Um, but then he, Jesus says, upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. And Jesus makes this prediction that the church is going to begin, and the, hell, the gates of hell, nothing is going to come against this and stop it from happening. It's fascinating. But there's, there's this, there's this uh, unfortunate translation that happened hundreds of years ago with this word church. It actually is a Greek word that means, that said ecclesia. And I'm not a Greek scholar, just so you know, okay? But this is a significant thing, right? It's a, this word ecclesia did not mean a building, a church building, which is what the word church means. And some along the way decided, we're going to change this to this meaning. And, and, but it, it meant a gathering. It meant a, an assembly of people. So Jesus was, was talking about a gathering that's going to be happening. He was talking about people. So he didn't predict a place. And so we read that we think about a place because that's what we've become accustomed to. Jesus didn't predict a place. He predicted a people. And this is significant for us to understand. And our mission here at Downtown Community is to help people, people find their way back to God. And so our story, we, you know, there's a place where we've been meeting, but it's been way more than that. There's all these other things that have been happening. I think about the, the changed lives, the people that I see there in these pictures, the baptisms that have taken place, and people coming as atheists or skeptical of God and coming and asking questions and finding Him and, and, and being on this journey with God, this story that's been happening. That's what I see. We've had dinner groups, and we've had Go Jersey City. We've done six Go Jersey Cities. We're in June. We just serve and, do, and go out into these organizations of the city for several hours, and then we gather and we have a party. And we've been serving at, we did ShopRite gathering, food, food gathering for, the, uh, for St. Lucie's Shelter for years over here. And, and when that program ended, we've, we've, we've restarted and done a, we do a monthly uh, food collection, and, and we serve the, the sharing place. I have too many words in my head. The sharing place up the hill. We're doing that this Thursday. We started that last September. There's been this story of a work and his people and loving this city. And our common unifying element is Christ. See, Jesus predicted not a place but a people. And the one thing that they had in common was, it was Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. And for us, our common unifying element is Christ. He is the center of all of this, and it has been His story. 
And this year, we want to continue this story. And 2021 was really about getting back to all these things that we had been doing and then being able to get that back in place was such a beautiful thing to see, to get back to serving in, in a way that we have and to being and gathering in this way. It's such a gift to have. And so in 2022, really what I want this year to be about is your story here, your story here. And we, I wanted you to see just a glimpse of some of the story that's happened. There's been hundreds of people that have gone before you in the sacrifice. Like I've mentioned that already and like that have, that have laid this foundation for you. And their story is what allowed us to be here. And so many have moved away, right? So so many have, have had this happen. But, but we have the privilege of continuing this on. And you might be like, well, I'm not sure how long I'll be here. And that's okay. Whether it's six months, one year, or seven this is an opportunity for you to come and engage him. And I'll be honest, the past few years have been challenging. It was interesting, like t- both 2020 and 21 were, were very challenging, right? Like that's an understatement. But for me personally, the 21 was actually more challenging. On a personal level and as a pastor, there was constant unknown and change happening. And I've grown, God has used this, these challenges to, to help me grow so much. My heart has changed in great ways, but it was challenging. But at the same time, we saw a lot of fruit, a lot of joy. And both of those things can be true. Challenge doesn't mean it's, it's bad. It means that, that God is, is doing a work, and it allows us to grow. But it's been a lot of rebuilding, a lot of rebuilding. Last year, as we moved out of the online phase, we saw people had moved away begin to latch on and scatter to where they had gone. And and we saw more first-time guests last fall than any other time in our history. Such amazing opportunities. And so it's been a work of rebuilding. And so so what do we do when we're in a phase like that? Well, I want to bring us to this interesting passage found in Nehemiah. And the book of Nehemiah is, is, a, is a great read. It's this great story. It's used in leadership principles because this, this man named Nehemiah went and helped the, the people of God come back to where they, had, the, where they had been and rebuild. They had been scattered. They had been part. Uh, they, they had the nation of Israel, which was God's pursuit, his people, and, and he was showing in the story of him, and the Old Testament scriptures is that story of them. And, but they had been constantly disobeying God. He had been warning them. He had been very patient with them. And, and they had just been walking away from all this provision that he had done. And he said, if you keep doing this, then, then you will be destroyed. And that's exactly what happened. And they were destroyed by Babylon, and their city was in ruins, and they were taken captive. And, and it was a horrible time for them, and they longed to get back. And so Nehemiah heard the reports of where, what Jerusalem looked like, the city they had been part of, and he was so sad. And he, he served the king, and so he, the king was like, why are you sad? And so he was a little fearful of this, but he just said, okay. He's like, he's like my, my former country, my city is in ruins, and I'm just devastated by hearing the reports of what it looked like. And so he's like, I wish I could go back. And the king said, okay. This king who didn't believe in God was like, well, all right. He says, you can do it. He says, in fact, you just take, take your people with you. Take your people with you. And he's like, in fact, I'll give you an incredible amount of money. In fact, I'll give you supplies. And Nehemiah's like, really? And he's like, I'll give you letters. So as you travel there, like you give them to the people in the provinces. So they actually have to help you too and to give you supplies, whatever you need. And, they sh- and, and like, 
It was insane, and it was obviously God was willing this to happen and allowing this, this what they've been praying for, for, to begin to take place, for them to go back and be restored and rebuild their city. And so Nehemiah goes, and he has this incredible journey, and then he goes to inspect the wall, and they had issues with people around the region that didn't want this to happen. And, and so he began to inspect the wall at night, and he goes all the way around what it used to be to see how bad it is. And then he gathers with his people and calls them to this. He says, this is found in Nehemiah 2.17. He says, but now I said to them, you know very well what trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire. Let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and end this disgrace. And so it's important for them to rebuild this. Like they would have been, it's so easy to be attacked and they needed protection and all these different things. It was an important first step for them to do. And so he says here, he says, Then I told them about how the gracious hand of God had been on me and, how, and, and about my conversation with the king. And so they hear this story and they can see that God was in it. And so they hear all this. They're like, all right. They replied at once, yes, let's rebuild. So they began the good work. How in the world do you go about a huge task like this? It had been this massive wall. It was important that they establish this first. And so if you've ever read in the scriptures, you get to these really boring chapters. You're like, what in the world is this? Why is this here? Like they'll just name people for chapters. That's what happens with Nehemiah. But then there's this chapter three where he, he literally describes the work that they did. So like, I won't read the whole thing. You can thank me about that. But it, like it says here, like, it says, then Elisha, the high priest and the other high priest started to rebuild at the sheep gate. So they had 12 gates, and so he just went around the wall to all these different gates to talk about who they assigned and what they did in every single spot, and they got really specific. It says the fish gate was built by the sons of Hanasseh. They laid the beams, set up his doors, and installed its bolts and bars. So this is very specific. It says the old city gate was repaired by Joada and Pashada and Meshulam and Basadua. If you don't know how to say these names, because I don't, you just say them really fast, and it sounds like you're a scholar. It's really good. So, like, he literally goes all the way around and, like, in very detail about what they did and, like, what family was where and where they lived. And I'm like, man, it's specific. And eventually gets to the end. Uh, talks about someone may, named Akalja or something like that. But anyway, it goes on to say the other goldsmiths and merchants repaired that wall from the corner to the sheep gate. So there we go. That's what it was for a whole chapter. They go from sheep gate all the way around back to the sheep gate. Like he's like, I want you to know how specific we had, we, what we did. So what do you do when you're rebuilding? Well, here's three things. One is they made a plan and they got started. They divided the people up. They had abilities and tasks and they got started. God was using his people. They made a plan. They got started. Easy as that. And they just went after it. But what's interesting is they ran into challenges. They ran into challenges. Like significant ones. From all kinds of, one is they, they had a constant pressure from those on the outside that did not want them doing this. People in the region, they were mocking them, threatening them. And so you see Nehemiah say this prayer in 421. He says, 4-4, excuse me. He says, then I prayed, hear us, O God, for we are being mocked. He was calling out to them. They were stressed because of this pressure. And then they started to make actual physical threats to them. 
they had to assign half of their people to just be on guard and to protect them. And they had to pull people in within this within their protected area at nights, and people were having to give up their, their farming and other things that were their livelihood. And, and so you see this prayer, I mean, this, this statement here in 421, he says, we worked early and late from sunrise to sunset. Half the men were always on guard. There was, yeah, so like they were just, they were constantly having to watch out and it made it even, even more hard. And then they got in their own way. And this is true of life for us as well. But there was great brokenness among the people. Some of them were having to sacrifice their livelihood, and they were running out of money. And so there was a system that God had set up for them to, to provide loans for another. But then they began to abuse that and make them pay it back and charge them insane interest. So they were having to actually give up some of their kids to work for the other families to essentially be like a slave. And so this is incredible, there's awful problems that came up, and there's great brokenness. So Nehemiah had to deal with that. He's like, what are you doing? And he made them give the money back and the interest back and their children. And like, it's like, wow, like they're just, there's all these problems that were happening from the outside and from inward. And I'll just say, it's certainly not easy to do any good work, to do any work of value, any work of purpose. And if you do, you will face challenges. It's just part of it. We've had a lot of challenges in pursuing being a church family here in the city. And many of them have been because of me, like my own brokenness. And my, like, I, I'm as flawed as anybody else. I need God as much as ever, all of you, if not more. That's why I love reading the Apostle Paul. He's like, I'm the worst of sinners. Like, we get in our own way. We have so many crazy stories from just our meeting locations and random things that we would have happen. But there are challenges. But they didn't give up. They didn't stop. And I think that's so important for us to, to see and to know. That we continue to go, and, and Nehemiah would address the issues, and they would be would forgive one another, and they would move forward. It's beautiful. So they ran into challenges. And the third thing for us to see, really, it's important for us to know, is that they recognized God, that God was leading. And this is really the most important part. This is why they started. But they recognized that God was leading. One amazing part of God's story in us is that He promises to do the work. That he is the one that's leading us. And if you read through the story of God, through the scriptures, you see over and over again that he was working in us. And at all these moments where it seemed like all was lost, and he would step in and his story would continue. And, and you see really broken people, like messed up. Like you read the scriptures and like, this is like insane. And like, how did anything keep going? And the, God, the whole point is for God is like, listen, I'm, I'm using broken people. We've all, we all blow it. And he didn't walk away from us. He engaged with us. And it gives us hope. We need to see that. And so when this, this whole project of rebuilding and getting their city back and getting their lives reestablished and coming out of captivity, they recognized the reason that they started was because they saw God was doing it. It was not because Nehemiah was a great leader, and he was a great leader. He was a man of, of great moral standing. Like he was a rich man that God used to, to bless other people. He was a giving person. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. 
He was a great leader, but it's not why they did the work. They saw that it was God that was leading. When they saw how God had worked in the king to send Nehemiah out, they were like, wow, God is in this. We're ready to begin. And they continued to recognize that God was doing this with them. And it's amazing, you get to the end of Nehemiah, Nehemiah 6, he, he says this, and he's the one that's writing, so he says this in verse 15, he says, so on October 2nd, the wall was finished. And here's the amazing part, just 52 days after we had begun. It only took 52 days, under two months. That's incredible. And here's a significant statement. He says, when our enemies and the surrounding nations heard about it, they were frightened and humiliated. They realized this work had been done with the help of our God. Even those that were creating pressure on them, that didn't believe in God, they, I mean, it was just obvious that God was with them in doing the work. I think that's significant. I think one of the hardest things for you and I is, is when we face difficulty or when things are hard for a long time, it doesn't always feel like God is there. It always doesn't, it doesn't feel like he's present. And so it's easy for you and I to, to, to feel discouraged or to become discouraged on prolonged times of hardship and trouble. And so, like, especially when things feel weird or unsettled, it brings that feeling out more and more. And, and we, we, we ask this question, or maybe you just feel this inside. It's like, how, how can I experience God? Can, is, is, can I live life of purpose, meaning, and significance? How do we do that? And that's the question. Like, what do we do? And so these stories that we go back to, God wants us to, to see them and know that he is always there. And so what do you do in those times and those moments where you, pers you pursue his story? You engage. It's when we engage. It's when we take these steps. For Nehemiah, he was troubled and he, he had been praying. He had been praying for an opportunity for this. It had been on his heart. And he had this moment before the king and he was freaked out. He's, he says that. But he took that, it was when he took that step that God began to, to work in him. As, as many times as it's in the going and the action of our lives that we suddenly are activated into his story. You pursue him. You allow him to be involved in your life and engaging him. You find times in your life. Being here today, it's a great way to do it, but it's beyond, it's more than that. Because his plan is us. It's you. It's you. Jesus ascended into heaven. He, he defeated death in the grave, and they watched him, and they saw this all happen, and they're, they're amazed. And then he, and he says, having, he, was, he's, he makes this statement in Matthew. He's like, all right, I've been given all authority in heaven and earth. Obviously, so you go. You go. And then he ascended to heaven. It has been his plan to work through you. We're here today because of those who have been engaging in his story. And we have this opportunity. And it's interesting is, is our hearts keep us 
from taking steps or, or following him. And, and, we, and what happens is we believe in this. And here are two. There are two myths that we think. One is we think, well, somebody else has got it covered. And we walk in here and we're like, okay, like this, and by the way, this space is amazing. Like it feels like we never would have dreamed of like a place like this being built downtown. And so I'm really thankful for this, especially when we think about the underground days or the no AC days and, and you know, like all the crazy stories that we could go into that I wish we had time for. You can ask me later. But you walk into a space, and even in those days, it was like, wow, like lights are on, there's, there's a musician there, and there's like things have got it covered. The problem is, is that everybody thinks this. <laughs> Everybody's thinking this. But really, it's not about that. We think about it the wrong way. Think about it. That God has a story in you. That you're being called into this. You can be part of this. There are desires in your own heart. There are gifts that you have that you have no idea that are there. There are, there are troubles that you, face, that you face and you need a community, a family around you. There's such an opportunity of missing out when we engage. The other myth that we, we see is we, we think that I'll be better suited to commit in the future. Now's a little crazy. I just can't do anything like this. I can't take steps. I can't engage. I can't go to this serving event or I can't give financially. I can all these different things. Like there's all these ways in which we could engage and we say, I'll do it in the future. But this is, I think this is the most dangerous one. Because it's really, a, it's a lie that we, we believe in ourselves. Because what you are doing now is shaping you for the future, who you'll become. That future where you finally have space, that future where you're finally okay financially, that future where, where you, you, know, you can engage in these ways and give to others and, 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 and attend a dinner group or engage in community or whatever it may be or use your gifts, like that will never come because everything that you're doing now defines who you are becoming. And you'll one day look back and realize how much you missed out and you'll regret and you'll realize that day never come, and you're still thinking the exact same thing. You'll look back if you have kids and how important that time with your kids was then. That it's all important that you wish you'd invested in them. You'll have habits that you'll have, you have made and you, you can't get out of it. You still won't have time. If anything, you build more things that, that push out your time even more. You'll look back with regret. You'll have financial decisions. You're like, oh, I wish I knew how much money I had then and all these different things. Your relationships, decisions that you make or, the, or a lack of relationships, all this. Who you want to be starts now. God is ready to step in with you and your story with so that's what I want to challenge you with this year. So how do you do this? Well, how are ways that you can take a step towards God? There's your personal life and engaging with Him, but I want to encourage you to connect. One of our goals for you is to take steps to connect. So three ways in which you can do this with us is you can give. Some of you are blessed to give financially. And it's a way that you can make an impact. We have a plan for how you, we, what we do with the money that you give. 
We have a budget that we follow. We have trustees that, that lead that process, that follow what happens there. And so when you give more, more ministry is impacted. We are usually limited. I don't know if you noticed, but it's a little expensive here. <laughs> and, so, and so when you give, we, we have built a system that you can be trusted with. And a lot of people don't know that, and they, they worry because the church has not been good about that. So it's important for us that we lay good systems for you. You can serve. Like this Thursday, we have the sharing place opportunity. It's this, we do it every month, so this month fills up. You can do the next one, but I encourage you to. That's a great place to step, step in. But you can be part of our, of our, we're developing a music team. And you can serve on Sunday mornings, or you can engage with us on social media. There's all these ways that you could lean in and be part of this community. God uses that. He connects you to community. And the third th way is to connect, is to connect with one another. You are invited into community. When, you, when you're on a serving team, you connect, but you can be part of our dinner groups that meet during the week. It's a great place for you to connect. And then I want to say this. We get in the way of ourselves. Remember that? It's part of our story, our brokenness and everything. And so I just want to say keep coming back. Keep coming back. Because we blow it or we fall away, or something happens, and God's story with us is to come back. Keep engaging. Our brokenness gets in the way, but God is still working, and it's in those very moments of our brokenness that He wants to engage with you. So for us, 2022, it's your story here. I pray you'll be part of this. After the service, here in just a couple minutes, we're going to have some food, and, and we're just going to hang out together. But there's opportunities for you to engage with our teams. We'd love to help you sign up for these things. You can scan events, so you can scan on your program to get to our website, and you can begin to, to, to engage his story. Because there are so many people that are going to be engaging with this this year, and your own heart has the opportunity to be part of this. And you are invited into this. And I cannot wait for the year that is ahead. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. We thank you for this day. We thank you for your story in us. And I pray today that as we hear all of this, that we would just begin to trust that you care about our hearts. That you're not calling us to an organization you're calling us into a relationship, into a story. And there's no coincidence that we are here in this city, in this time, in this way. God, I recognize that you have been at work in us. I've done everything I can to sabotage this. Trust me, God, I know. I know it's, it's you. It's you. We recognize that, and we are so thankful. I pray for 2022. As a church family, we would... Love you and love our city, whether they ever believe in God, that we would love well this year. May that be so. Father, we thank you and ask this in your name. Amen. Awesome.